Hallelujah. Father, we worship you today. We thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Because you have made a way for us to enter into your presence at any moment, at any time, with any need, necessity, or circumstance of our life. You've given us access into your presence where we find grace to help in our time of need. Father, today we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. And more than that, we thank you because you've set your love upon us. And we declare our love to you today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. You could be seated this morning. And uh, I'm going to ask you, uh, we're just going to move right into the word this morning. And uh, so excited. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. You're such a blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that good? Yeah. Presence of the Lord this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles up to Philippians chapter 3. As we dive into this this morning, I believe God has something special. I'm not going to minister very long in preaching, but we're going to pray together. Amen. How many know we need some answers? How many know we got fires in our state? We got crazy things going on, and uh, we just need some answers from the Lord. And we need to know how to approach the Lord. We need to know that we can come with confidence that God hears and He answers. Amen? And uh, so that's so important. Philippians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn there. And uh, the title this morning, I started this a few weeks ago and just been on the same theme, but in dealing with this, in pursuit of a Savior, and how many today know you're saved, you're born again, you know that? Well, being saved doesn't mean I stop pursuing my Savior. Amen. Because there's, there, there's just more to Jesus than just our basic salvation and understanding that. I'm so thankful that His grace and his love bore my sin upon the cross but i thank you that it didn't stop there amen i thank you that that means so much more than just having being able to have a clear conscience under the old testament god's grace was there because there was no way for man to keep the law so god made a way for man to bring sacrifices and to be able to push that judgment ahead and and stay off the judgment of god and every year they had the atonement it meant you know one more year we can do the uh, the atonement and keep god's judgment away for another year and every year we come back we just keep pushing it forward and it was the original pay it forward or whatever but it was that area of moving God's judgment, just staying it off. But when Christ came, it wasn't just that we pushed something off into another day. It's that he literally took everything and every ordinance of judgment that was written against it, and he took it upon himself, and he took it to the cross. It was nailed there. It was paid in full and canceled forever. Amen? And so the grace of God has set us free, but even so much more than that now in pursuing him, I want to know the fullness of what's that mean. What does it mean to really be free in Christ? What does it mean in this amazing grace? We sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Yes, I, I was a wretch, I was a sinner, I was lost, but now I'm saved. Thank God we're not a wretch no more, amen? And so God has done this amazing thing 
in our life, but I want to continue to pursue him. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3 and beginning in verse 7, if you'll look at it with me. He said, but what things were gained to me, I have counted loss for Christ. But indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith in verse 10, that I might know him. I'm in pursuit of knowing the Lord. Amen. I just want to know him. Even after all these years of, uh, of serving God, I still want to know him. Amen. In a greater and a deeper way. I, b- I believe as long as we're here in this life, I don't know if we we'll ever fully know him, but I can know him more tomorrow than I know him today. My relationship can deepen and grow. And the fellowship of his suffering and being conformed to his death. Father, I thank you in these next few moments that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, you will come into each and every one of our lives in such a unique way as only you can do. Bringing clarity and truth to our understanding. Opening our eyes to see, our hearts to receive. That our lives might be changed. That we truly might know you in the fullness of all that you've done for us. Through your son, Jesus Christ, we give you praise and glory in his name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Look at the cover of your outline, if you would. The word of God is filled with the personal accounts of people who went in pursuit of God. The circumstances and conditions of their lives brought them to the place where they knew in their own heart they needed divine intervention in their lives. And, uh, you know, the, uh, Tuesday night we just taught about prayer, and I'm a little bit ahead of myself. But, but there's that time, so many times we just try to fix everything ourselves. We just think, you know what, I could just make this a little bit better. And, and uh, this week I had the opportunity to talk to a young man kind of unexpectedly. I was going about my business and my affairs. And, and when, you, when I saw this young man on the outside, you think, you know what, that's probably a person who just everything of the way he was and in, 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 in his outside appearance. He's probably a young man that a lot of people would avoid, maybe be intimidated by. But I just went up and started talking to him. And, and then I started witnessing to him. He was talking about trying to turn his life around and get things right. I said, man, have you ever thought about just inviting God into your life? It's so easy to do it alone, but, but God is just waiting to be invited into your life to help you. Why go it alone when you could have some help? Amen? And so the Lord just continued to, to open that door. I got to share my testimony, what God did for Sean and me and restoration and that. And so that young man's just been on my heart, but he, he just, just struggled with that. God, I, I, I just need to, and so I tried to invite him to church. He said, I, I'm working on I got people working on me and, and I'm working on myself. I said, well, you know what? Why don't you just come? Let God be a part of that. But it's so much in us. And for me, there's just a weight there because here's a young man and he knows and, and there's a stirring in his heart. But we all are just like that. Not just him. We do that in a daily basis because we really don't know who Christ is and all that he's done for us. And we just can humble ourselves. Say, God, I just need a Savior and I just need to come to you. I need to trust you. I need to walk in that humility where I know you died for me and you made provision for me so no matter what my need, no matter what station I'm at in life, you're always there and you're always available. Amen? 
And so we come to that play. See, most of us come to Christ like that. We're beyond our ability to fix our own life. We just simply open our hearts and admit we need a Savior. Something so powerful happens. I think sometimes even as Christians, it's so easy to have religious pride. Instead of just saying, wait a minute, I just need a Savior in my life. I, need God. I don't just need to talk about Him, know about Him, debate about Him, and argue about Him. I really need Him in my life. I need all that He is daily in my life. See, something happens when we no longer care about people's opinions. We just want to be saved. Something happens when we have no desire to argue and debate with others. We just want to be healed. And something happens when we're willing to be at risk of public shame, rejection, and even harm because we just want to be delivered. And even as Matt was saying, we crown him, you know, there's places in our weakness and we keep trying to work it out ourselves. Come on, let God be who he is to you. Let Jesus be your savior in totality. Amen? Turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 8 with me this morning. And I really believe God wants to break through. And even in the area, I keep looking at our nation and look at the things going on. And uh, even, I mean, I can't believe the devastation of the fires that are happening. We are praying along with everybody else. But, but, but I'm still going back, whether it is fires, whether it is storms, whether it is uh, just acts of violence and insanity that are taking place. I'm wondering, what will it take for us to really turn? to God. I keep thinking, you know, with everything going on, sooner or later, a few people are going to come back to church. A few people are going to turn back to God. A few more people are going to say, wait a minute, I need to get back and heading in the right direction. We need a Savior. Our nation needs a Savior. And we need some answers. And man is not providing them. We come up with stupid ideas and debates about that, but we're not coming up with answers. God is our answer. Luke chapter 8, are you there waiting on me? <laughs> Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 41, or actually, uh, I need to skip that. I want to skip down to uh, verse 49. Oh, wait a minute. No, I don't. Let me get to where I want to be. I put it wrong in my outline. Verse 43. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. Did you get that? She had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. She had done everything she could in her power about her problem. Now, let me just go back and, and, and say that this is a woman. She is a Jewish woman. She is a woman who is in covenant with God. And actually, born into that covenant. Didn't even have to get right, but just literally born into covenant. God made a covenant with the nation of Israel. They're born into that covenant by birthright. She has a birthright covenant. How remember the woman who was bound by the Jesus in Luke 13? The woman is, is bound over, and she's been over, and on the Sabbath day, and Jesus said, this woman's been like this for 13 years. The devil has bound her for 13 years, but she is a daughter of the seed of Abraham, meaning she has a right to be set free, not to be in bondage, but be set free. It is her birthright. Are you with me this morning? It is her birthright. So this woman who has a birthright and a covenant with God and provision in that covenant to be healed is using all of her resources but not tapping in to the covenant that she has with God. 
And I want to tell you today that the moment you raised your hands a few minutes ago and said, I know I'm born again. I know I've been made alive in Christ. Well, then you have a birthright in Christ. But so many times we're just using all of our resources, expending all the natural, approaching everything out of the natural instead of saying, wait a minute, I have a birthright. And I have covenant provisions with God. And so instead of doing it all in the natural and wasting and exhausting all of my resources, all of my energy, and and not getting any better and just living in a continual situation, I'm going to call on the covenant and the provision that I have with God. And that's what I mean. Sometimes we just have to get to that place where we just know we need a Savior. So watch this. And so here she is and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately, somebody say immediately, her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, multitude throng you. Somebody say throng you. And I think that's what's happened today. We've learned how to throng Jesus, but we have never figured out how to touch him. We gather around him in multitudes and crowds. We, we have multitudes in assembly every Sunday. We have multitudes in services who are thronging Jesus. But how many are literally touching him? Amen. To the point where answers are being received. Think about it this morning. And Jesus said, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of what? Good cheer, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. See, fear caused caused by religious tradition caused her to hide even after being healed. And I want to say, we, we have so much stuff that we heap upon everybody that we've literally lost our freedom in the body of Christ. And here's this woman, so afraid. Traditions of that day, if you had an issue that she had a flow of blood, you're unclean to come into the presence of people for fear of being stoned, for fear of being ridiculed, for fear of being fought out. What happened? Even though now that I'm healed and it's over, people could judge me, people could respond to me. Because many times people don't rejoice with us in our victory. We're such a critical, by nature, fallen nature, humanity is so critical and so quick to judge. Moving right along. And so what happens? Here she is. But yet she found her answer at his feet. And I want you to hear that this morning. For her to be able to touch the hem of his garment, she had to find her way to his feet. So she's there getting through the crowd and literally, if you would, almost being down at the bottom of the crowd and just kind of reaching through as he passed by, she touched the border or the hem, the very bottom of his garment. And just that touch released the power that set her free. But so many times we're afraid, and especially in society today, nobody wants to do anything openly. Everybody wants everything hidden. I said it a few weeks ago. We, we want to close our eyes, bow our heads. We want nobody looking around when we get saved. So we pray the sinner's prayer. Bow your head, close your eyes. Nobody looking around. Like somehow it's a shame. To accept Christ as the Savior. Come on in, in secret. 
Too bad Jesus didn't say, hey, everybody bow your heads. Nobody look at me on the cross. Amen. And so here she is. So even in the moment, even in trying to hide, now she finds herself being confronted. And she, Jesus is going, I'm not moving until I find out who touched me. And, and I literally believe, how many know Jesus knew everything? It says when they were murmuring about him for forgiving the man paralyzed on the bed of his sin, it said perceiving in their heart. He perceiving what they were thinking in their hearts. So Jesus knew who the woman was, but there's something powerful about declaring publicly, confessing. Hebrews chapter 4 says, hold fast to the confession of your faith. Speaking and declaring what God has done for you. Not being ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. And not being ashamed to declare what he has done for you because of your birthright as a Christian. Somebody ought to say amen. So she ended up confessing before all and heard these words from the Lord. Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in Peace. Hallelujah. How many know that means in a complete answer? The word peace there, shalom. Go with nothing being missing, nothing being broken, and nothing lacking in your life. Go in completeness. Hallelujah. If you would, go with me down a little bit further and, and, and look at this. Uh, in, uh, back to, uh, uh, go back up. But it, verse 26 in chapter 8, Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when they stepped out, there met him a certain man who had demons for a long time. Somebody say a long time. For a long time, the city, uh, from the city, and he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Now, how many know even devils have enough sense to bow before the Lord? So here devils are coming and they're reverencing God. They're coming and humbling themselves before God, hoping not to be judged and hoping not to be tormented and sent out of this man. And we know the story. They go through the whole thing. Jesus has a conversation with the devil. And I think there's something there. I don't have time to get into it this morning. But there's something that we forget even about demons and demonic activity. I always think it's interesting of all the accounts I've gone through. And if you watch it, that, that these are entities. These are people have a conversation out of another person. So these are real living entities. And how many know demons haven't disappeared? They're still devils. Every now and then you can have a conversation with somebody and you can wonder who's talking. Right along. But we get to the whole thing, and we know Jesus delivers the man, sends the, 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 uh, the, the demons into the swine, and they drive the swine off the hill into the cliff, and then everybody hears about it, and they come back. So look down with me at, at verse, uh, where do I want to go? Verse 35, and watch it. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departing, sitting where? At the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Hear me this morning, no one is born demon-possessed. 
Nobody's born demon-possessed. Our choices in life and those in authority to cover our lives can open doors of demonic activity, which when allowed to continue can lead to being to being demon-possessed. Devils and demons are controlling spirits. Their ultimate goal is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. How many would agree? Amen. And so here in our life, we need to understand that. But here's the man even. So, so you have a woman with the issue of blood who, who can't be healed. She's been to doctors, gone through everything. And here is a young man being driven by demons. And then God's grace and God's power moves on his behalf and sets him free. Even when demons are making the, the, the request in that area or engage that. Look at the next one. J. Iris, if you go back up, you'll find that beginning in verse 41. And behold, there sir became a certain man named J. Iris when he and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. And, and I'm really focusing on these scriptures about being at the feet of Jesus. And I want you to see that every time somebody found themselves at the feet of Jesus, they came away with an answer. And there's something about us. And when people are looking for answers, I need to ask myself. And it's not a performance space. We're not talking about performance. We're not talking about requirement. But we're talking about acknowledging I'm pursuing a Savior. If He is my Savior, then He saves me in every circumstance and in every situation. And finding myself at His feet is just finding that myself to the place where I know I have an audience with Him. Where I know that I'm in his presence. I'm not just going through religious motion. I'm actually wanting to get into the immediate presence of the Lord. Because I need an answer. And so here's this man. Think about it. Here he's coming. He's at the feet of Jesus. I put Matthew 5.22 in, in your verse, in, in your scripture there. Or excuse me, or Mark. But I want you to hear me this morning. It's a humbling thing as a ruler to find yourself at the feet of anyone. Here is a ruler of the synagogue. People are looking up to this man. He's supposed to have the answer for their needs. I'll put it like this. The pastor comes and says to Jesus, he's a leader. Are you listening to me? And so many times we allow our position, our status, and like I said, the opinion and what other people are going to think, peer pressure of our day, to keep us from the feet of Jesus. And so because we're too proud to get there, too proud to be seen in a different light, or concerned about other people's perceptions of us, we live with the problem. But he's going, wait a minute, my daughter is about to die, and I am refusing. I will not let my pride, my position, or anybody else's opinion keep me from my answer. I have to humble myself and admit I don't know it all, but I know how to get a hold of the one who does. And so he found himself at his feet. Yet Jairus had a need greater than his ability to meet or to do anything about. Setting pride aside, he pursued an answer for his daughter and found it at his feet. Think about it. Go with me to Mark chapter 7, if you would. Are you doing all right this morning? I'm just trying to, to stir your faith for an answer this morning. I'm not trying to preach a lot of things to change your mind. I just want to tell you this morning that if you can find yourself to the feet of Jesus, He is no respecter of persons. 
And every person I found, every time, read your Bible, you can go through all these accounts and find everybody that pressed through, everybody that came and they're at a place of desperation. No natural answer available. They're beyond nobody in the world. No, no, none of the mind, none of the resources, nothing was able to provide an answer. But there's an answer that was found by them at the feet of Jesus. Think about it. Matthew chapter 7, and beginning in verse 24. And from there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. I kind of think like this. I think sometimes we want to get Jesus in our church and hide him from everybody else. Or else we'd be inviting more people into the house with us. Moving right along. <laughs> Amen. People want, we, we, want, we want that intimacy. We want all that. But watch it. For a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. And she came and what? Fell at his feet. And the woman was a Greek. A Syrophoenician by birth. Everybody look up here. She had no birthright to approach him. She's a Greek. She's a Gentile. She has no covenant right with God at this point. But look at what she says. Does that dissuade her? Not in the least. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dog. And this woman said, I am not leaving without an answer for my daughter. There is no answer except you. And what am I saying this morning? I'm saying when you and I get to that place where we know that Jesus is our answer, that is it. And we are not leaving without it. We are not letting go. We're going to stay in the presence of God. We're going to press in. There's so much that has to happen. You can't go through it all. Every situation has its own adversity that's working against you in that situation or else there's warfare how I many know what spiritual warfare really is is what it takes for you to press through to get your answer it's a fight that you are in in that particular situation and what you have to battle again to get through to break that thing and get the answer released on your behalf do you understand that that's spiritual warfare it's not getting together in conferences and binding demons and doing all this stuff. I, I like what, what, what my friend Larry said years ago. He says we have those conferences that demons sell popcorn and sit in the rafters and laugh at us. <laughs> Larry Huggins, a crack up. Amen. So watch this. And so he said, but Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dog. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumb. And then he said to her, for this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Why? Because she went to the feet of Jesus. She pressed through was not willing to leave without an answer. If you and I will do the same, it will happen in our life the very same way. Hallelujah. So a woman supposedly with no right of access, but driven by desperation for an answer for her daughter, found her way to her feet and got her answer. Hallelujah. 
So think about it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back early if they would please. For most of us, the thought of being at the feet of someone else is too much to ask for. But being at the feet of Jesus is the safest place to be. And I said it a couple weeks ago when we ministered about the woman in Luke chapter 7 who was in Simon's house having dinner there while the dinner was going on. And even for her, even as Adrian reminded me of it in that time, because in that time, eating at the tables, men and women were socially separated in events. That's why Paul said that the women asked questions because even in the synagogue in different places, the men were on the inside and the women were on the outside and, and, and the women could look in, but it, it, you could not go in. It was culturally wrong to go in and interrupt the dinner. So the men are all sitting at the table and eating and the women are either serving or on the outside, but they're not allowed to enter. And so she has to break out against custom. She has to break out against everything because she's been so chained by the love of God. And she knows, I don't want to stay in my sin. I don't want to stay in this situation anymore. I need to get to my answer. And she literally put her life at risk to get to the feet of Jesus. Same thing with the woman with the issue of blood. But for you and I, if we can get there, we find out that that's the safest place to be. See, it is a place of power and deliverance. It is a place of grace and mercy. Our desperation to find our answer in the presence of God will melt all preoccupation with self, notoriety, or public image. Our personal status, the ground is level at the cross. That's why my heart this week, I've just been praying for this young man. Because here's a young man still trying to fix his life. And he knows he's broken. And, and we're talking. I'm sharing my testimony. I see tears coming up in his eye. And, and I, I got him. He let me pray with him. He wouldn't, not, not to accept the Lord, but just to pray and to ask God to show himself to him and to make himself known. But he knows he's fighting this battle on the inside. But there's something about being able to come to the feet of Jesus. And I'm thinking, it's God, if I could just get him there, you're his answer. You're his answer. And I'm telling you today, some of you have tried so long, you're worn out, you're burned out, you're, you're just struggling trying to get this. How do I get the breakthrough in this area? I'm telling you, your answer's at the feet of Jesus. That is feet. What does it take? And I mean, you get there and these people, I mean, J. Iris, and they're getting down and trying to be all proper as he kneels. Lord, daughter is dying could you please come to my house now my daughter's dying my daughter's dying if you don't come my daughter will die Jesus said I'll come I believe Jesus reached down, picked him up, loved him, and said, I will come. A genuine hunger and a thirst for his presence will drive you to his feet, regardless of the opinions of others. It's a desire that will free you to be a fool in the sight of your peers in order to be embraced in the arms of your Lord. I know this. 
I'm going to read one verse of scripture with you just before we pray. Hebrews chapter 4. You have your Bibles turned there. Are you hearing this this morning? been quite a while I'll be honest with you just in honesty it's been quite a while since I felt a burden like this from the Lord and trying to communicate a truth to God's people Hebrews 4 verse 14 says seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our confession my friend speak your answer not your problem declare your birthright declare God's word declare God's provision for we do not have a high priest who could not sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. When grace shows up to help, how many know it shows up with the answer? Grace to help is the answer showing up in your life and in my life. Think about it. Every person in the Word of God who came to the feet of Jesus found their answer there. And you and I have an invitation from God and access to the throne of grace to find help and your answer in your time of need. God's grace and provision. But it's all at the throne and it comes to our lives through invitation. This is what it is. What people were literally doing is they're coming to the Lord and they're petitioning the Lord and they're inviting God. They're inviting the Lord. Lord, will you come into my problem? I can't do it alone. I don't need you out there. I don't need just knowing about you. I don't need just hearing about you. I need you in my problem. I need you in my house. I need you moving on my behalf. I'm inviting you in into my problem and when you go to God in prayer that is literally what prayer does that's why the Bible says God knows what we need Jesus knew what the, the woman who touched him but he needed her to say it and God needs you to say something he needs you to open the door he need Michael said it last week he's standing at the door knocking we've read all the scriptures we know it all but we open the door and we invite him in and he comes in and he brings all that he is into our lives, into our home, into our bodies, into our needs. He is the answer. Somebody ought to shout amen. Come on, God is your answer if you would just invite him in.